Ladies and gentlemen, here's In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Jonathan Ha is the CEO of Seneca ESG. Now we all know about CSR or corporate social responsibility, but now we've added environment and governance to social responsibility, and hence ESG. John says it's a fairly new term, but he has already targeted three sites within just a couple of years. I begin today by asking him why he chose the three cities that he did for his company. How did you choose Shanghai, Singapore, and Taiwan to set up your company? So Shanghai really comes from the idea that,、uh, as as I mentioned earlier, you know, China is such a large market, you know, and and there's so much growth potential still、uh, to in that in that market, and so, you know, that really was you know where I was situated, you know, for the last eleven years, and made sense, of course, to start building out a small base for my new sustainability business, and why Taiwan, why Singapore as well. These two markets are actually、uh, quite progressive when it comes to ESG policy, ESG adoption, ESG awareness. For the time being, at least,、uh, more progressive than than mainland China,、um, mm. which you know, as as we've seen, you know, quite often, time and time again, quickly changes. You know, so once once China does enact policies,、um, those policies are implemented at a very very fast pace. You know, once once it does、um, percolate through the rest of the industry. Um, but it's been great to be here in Taiwan because the Taiwan Stock Exchange, the Financial Supervisory Commission, have been also very progressive in pushing for better ESG disclosure, climate disclosure, all in the effort of improving that corporate behavior. Really, we're doing a good job. I, I feel like we've still got a long way to go. Well, I actually think it's very it's very good to have a natural sense of skepticism. You know, that's、oh, okay. that's what we need. More of in this industry because one of the key challenges that we are still facing is this concept of greenwashing. So companies using CSR, using sustainability as a means just to bolster their image and their reputation, and it's understandable, you know, why companies would want to do so. You know, anything that、um, that benefits their their standing in the community and and people's impression. People's perception of this company's behavior obviously may have some benefit to their bottom line, you know. So it's understandable why they would do so, but obviously it's not helping our actual cause. And the cause is to encourage better behavior from these corporates along the lines of environmental, social, and governance issues. And relatively speaking, I, I do think Taiwan's doing well. You know, everything is relative. And you had mentioned earlier that. It can be quite challenging sometimes, you know, to connect with someone that is、um, apparently, you know, in in a position of you know decision making, and then to just not have much happen, you know, thereafter, and and that's something that you know I think happens, you know, in, in a lot of different markets out there. But put another way, sometimes it does just take one person, you know, to make a pretty big change. And take for a quick example, recently met with Doris Wong, who's the chairman of the accounting. And research and development foundation here in Taiwan, and so they're the preeminent think tank that helps to provide policy suggestions for accounting and sustainability disclosure 
to the Taiwanese government. And so she's done a fantastic job of pushing the envelope and really looking to international groups such as ISSB, which is the newly established International Sustainability Standards Board under the IFRS Foundation. And Doris is a member of that organization and is helping to take those international draft standards for sustainability disclosure and localize and translate it for use here in the local Taiwanese market. So, you know, sometimes it, it really can just be one person that can make a very, very big difference. Um, but at the same time, we all need to be working together to really make it happen, right? Mm -hmm. So a couple of key people in key markets, I think we can really push for great change. Just now I was mentioning about numbers, you know, like having a, a measuring tape, uh, in other words, I actually was reading up on, maybe it was an interview, um, it was in print, and you were one of the speakers and everything. I, I didn't read the whole thing. It was a good report, I think by M. Cham. I came to a point where it's talking about numbers, you know, and figures. How do you actually go about doing that measurement? It's very sensitive. It's very sticky. Like, how, how can you even come up with an exact... Sure, that's actually what we specialize in. Uh, so okay. um, just to give a little bit of context, the ESG space is rather complex at the moment and for a number of reasons. If you take a look at what we're trying to actually achieve, the ultimate goal is to improve corporate behavior, right? Mm -hmm. For the betterment of society. But how we actually go about doing so, wow, that, that really gets quite complex. So I'll, I'll sort of set the scene here. So corporates, they're trying to do their best, of course. And what they're facing is the challenge of trying to figure out which of these disclosure standards do I actually need to comply with. And there's so many of them. You know, we have got GRI, we've mm. got SASB, we've got TCFD, we've got GHG protocol, and that's not even considering the local market regulations. And so these large corporates, they're trying their best, you know, to disclose their sustainability numbers in the structure and format that is being asked for. But it's very unclear as to which of these standards they should be using. And at the same time, you have commercial entities such as MSCI, Sustainalytics, Bloomberg, Refinitiv, that are doing their best in terms of reading these reports, but having the challenge of essentially reports that are written in a different format, providing different numbers, different information on a per company basis. So you may have ABC company that's using one reporting standard. You have some XYZ company using an altogether different reporting standard. And they both claim to be reporting on ESG, yeah, right? So do? what do you do, right? <laughs> and so these commercial entities, they do the real work of manually reading through these documents. You know, they could be 300 page PDF documents talking about a company's sustainability and <laughs> ESG practices. And they have to pick and choose the specific numbers that seemingly has some degree of overlap across all of these reports, uh -huh. right? So, so there are some of these numbers that are commonly reported such as scope one, two, and three estimates for greenhouse gas emissions, right? So th right. those are three numbers that by and large, every company is reporting now if they are reporting their sustainability figures. But there's a lot of other things such as what is the percentage of female managers in the company, right? Mm -hmm. And there's different ways to ask that. Mm -hmm. You know, what is the average years of promotion cycle for males versus females, right? And so there's so many different ways to ask a question that really tries to capture the same topic, right? And and which of these figures should you be using? That's the complexity, right? Yeah. Um, but luckily, you know, over the last 12 months, we have seen some progress. We have seen some uh, evolution, which is quite exciting because the ISSB 
is a new standard. It's a board that is going to be setting a new standard that is a combination of a lot of the well-known standards out there, such as SASB, Integrated Reporting, TCFD, CDSB, World Economic Forum Guidelines. And you have five or six of these really well-known disclosure standards that are finally starting to converge into a single standard. Now, when it comes to metrics, that's a good thing. Because mm -hmm. if everyone's following the same reporting structure and the same questions that they need to answer, then it goes, you know, as a natural assumption right. that the metrics will finally be standardized as well. Right. And so the commercial entities, of course, still have a pretty big job, you know, in front of them, which is still to capture all this data, um, standardize it, and then issue it as a product or a service, you know, to financial institutions, to shareholders, to investors. But it really uh, simplifies things when we are using the same standard. And that's, that's quite exciting to see. Now, what do we do? at Seneca ESG. Oh, that I, was my next question. Oh, fantastic. I, I read your mind. Um, so what we do at Seneca ESG is we build software. And we have right. software that caters to two different use cases. So the first use case is helping those large corporates. So these are corporates that are really still struggling to figure out what are the disclosure standards that I need to use? And how do I deploy this across my organization? So if you have just one office, that's pretty straightforward. Um, you, you figure out if you're using GRI or integrated reporting or SASB and soon to be ISSB perhaps, and then you can collect data on that one organization, that one office. But if you're a multinational organization and you have 70, maybe 150 offices globally, what do you do? Mm. You know, you, you have to capture data from each and every one of those offices. So the software that we've built called Epic really helps to solve that challenge, that pain point, you know, of defining what is the ESG disclosure standards that you need to comply with and within each of the markets that you're operating in. And then to be able to collect that data, aggregate it, assess it, and then finally prepare it for end of year reporting. So that's that's one software solution we have. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, it's it, the best analogy to use is that it's very similar to financial accounting software, except mm -hmm. instead of financial figures, we are looking after sustainability figures. Right. right? So the and the concept you know applies pretty similarly. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lynn. I'm speaking with Jonathan Ha, the CEO of Seneca ESG. So mostly you just kind of like come up with different softwares custom made for each different company? No, actually it's, um, it's, it's standardized. So our software is what you would call SaaS, software as a service. So one of the key takeaways that we have from having spent some time doing our homework and, and assessing the state of the ESG industry is that while these ESG data vendors have done a fantastic job of collecting data and productizing it and sharing it to financial institutions, the other challenge that is presented is that each of them also have their own way to rate companies. So every single one of these data vendors, they also provide their own rating of these publicly listed companies. And the pain point for financial institutions is that each of these ratings agencies have a different way of doing so. And you may be looking at one company and you'll ask three different ratings agencies, what is their rating? You'll get three different answers. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big challenge because mm -hmm. at that point, who do you trust? Mm -hmm. You know, who do you believe? And when it comes down to it, the reason why these ratings differ 
is because ESG as a concept is so subjective, right? So apart from everyone agreeing that it, it stands for environmental, social, and governance, beyond that, there's ongoing debate as to really what constitutes ESG. What is sustainability? What are the metrics that are uh, intended you know, to represent a company's ESG record and footprint? And because of these differing viewpoints and definitions, it's quite obvious that they would produce different ratings. So when we saw this and, and we started to ask more questions, you know, how did these financial institutions actually grapple with this challenge? The simple response was that they decide to just take all the raw data themselves and build their own score, build their own rating system, right? And, and I was a little bit confused at first as to why. I thought, well, you know, you're already having enough trouble as it is facing all these different ratings. Why would you go out and create yet another rating system internally? You know, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. Right. And the reason for that is because they mentioned that, well, we have our own investors that invest into our fund products. And they may have their own principles and values that they want to emphasize. And it's these differing priorities, these different principles and values and objectives that really translate to why these different ratings agencies have such a different outlook on companies. And I thought that was quite interesting that they recognize this because now they found that in order to actually satisfy the inquiries from their investor base and also reflect the firm's own emphasis on key things such as diversity and inclusion, greenhouse gas emissions, energy efficiency, corporate transparency, they really needed to take better control, you know, take over, you know, the process of scoring and assessing these companies. And it makes sense. And I thought, wow, that 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 is pretty interesting. But how are you doing so currently? And they're doing so using Excel, they're using manual methods, you know, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's the way you're doing it. Wow, that that must be very time consuming. And they said, sure, it is. And I saw that as an opportunity, you know, uh -huh. so we built software that helps to simplify oh, that process. Okay. So rather than having to deal with hundreds of Excel sheets and, and manual data entry, and, and how do you fit all these data points together to, to produce your view, we have software that streamlines that process so that you spend more time on the analysis you know less time on the data crunching yeah 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 more time on the analysis Please. thank you very much this has been fun and i really learned a lot i really did and um it sounds very exciting what you're doing so i can see that you can be so engrossed in your work and and enjoying it at the same time, I think. I want to thank you so much, Shirley, for the opportunity no to problem. come onto your show. It's been yeah, great. Great. Um, I always love talking about ESG and sustainability. So All right. absolutely, if there's another <laughs> opportunity for us to chat again, okay. uh, I, I would welcome it. Certainly. Thank you very much, John. Thank you.